Well, 2008 uh, was a big year uh, in terms of investing in programs and solutions uh, to reduce violence in San Francisco. Uh, some paid great dividends, and some have still yet to produce the results that we were hopeful for. One of the big initiatives in 2008 was the development of a new violence prevention plan. This was adopted in July of 2008, and it's a five-year plan, a blueprint for how we as a community can do more and do better to transform San Francisco streets and neighborhoods into safe uh, communities and environments. Uh, it's about aligning resources, coordinating city departments, community-based organizations, and individuals and organizations uh, together, basically streamlining the entire process of delivery uh, for community uh, uh, crime prevention. Uh, this was augmented, this effort, by an ongoing and historic commitment uh, to violence prevention efforts. And I say this in the context of planning to also underscore money and investment. You can see here uh, the historic investment. When I started, we put 30 $4.3 million into public safety. This last year, again, in spite of big deficits, we increased it to 62.9 million, 59.4, 50.8 the previous year. So every year we're putting more uh, crime and violence dollars uh, and prevention dollars uh, together. It hasn't necessarily, though, produced the results that we had wanted. So money, with all due respect, is not in and of itself the solution. Quite the contrary. And that's why putting together a violence prevention plan was so important in concert with uh, the resources that we put in. Now, where did those $62.9 million and $63 million go? You could see we continue to invest in all kinds of, I think, innovative proposals. Our community response network, our response teams, our safety networks, our community conveners, the calling strategy in Western Edition and Bayview Hunters Point. You've seen all kinds of initiatives around family violence prevention. In fact, we created this new council, which I think is also a model because it incorporates children and family as well as seniors, elder abuse under one roof, this family violence strategy that we think could pay great dividends in terms of a subset in terms of coordinating uh, our violence prevention efforts, our neighborhood action teams, all of these things is part of our agenda and our strategy. Uh, these really uh, fully being implemented in 2008. Uh, one of the things we also did that actually paid off this year was this Summer Street Violence Initiative. And I only reference it because it incorporated some 2,000 residents uh, at seven public housing sites uh, and paid great dividends. We didn't see uh, with the Safe Passages program any school-related violence like we had seen in previous years, uh, which is something to be thankful for. Of course, the idea that we would even be thankful for not having any violence during summer school is in and of itself suggestive of the challenge of violence in our city. Uh, but again, an initiative uh, that in Looking back at 2008 is one that we look forward to replicating in 2009 that paid uh, some di dividends. Now, one of the things we keep doing is we continue to add more police officers. Uh, you've seen since I became mayor uh, that we began to initiate a hiring uh, process. Uh, 2004, we had 27 officers, 89, 93, 195, 172. The reason we're a little lower in this new fiscal year is that we don't need to be as high in terms of the hiring or as aggressive as we had in the past. But the bottom line is we have 576 new officers out on the streets. We've been doing the most aggressive hiring in decades. Uh, in fact, so much so 
that are hiring will now put us, full-duty police officers, will put our total number at about 1,971. This is the first time since the voters mandated minimum staffing of police officers in 1,971 that we've actually ever had minimum number of police officers hired. So by January, we'll finally hit that benchmark. That's a big deal. That is a very aggressive hiring strategy, as you see in the last few years, to finally get us to where we'll be at that baseline staffing. So violence prevention, historic amount of money, new initiatives, new community-based strategies and solutions, more comprehensive, more exhaustive, combined with more law enforcement and more police uh, out on the streets, including police walking the beats. Take a look at this. We've increased by 86% the total number of foot patrol hours. There are 146 beat officers now walking 610 foot beats weekly. You have 35 foot officers just down on Market Street alone. Uh, I've noticed, and I hope you have noticed as well, the number of new beat officers walking uh, down Market Street. Still, we can use more, and that's why we look forward to those new academy classes and those 150 plus officers that are budgeted in this new fiscal year but we have increased the total number of people walking the beats. So you're seeing more officers on foot, not just in the vehicle cars, in the vehicles. We've also put more resources in public housing, including creating a commander position to the credit of Chief Heather Fong, a new commander position in public housing, focusing and targeting some of our efforts more aggressively in public housing sites throughout the city. Another area where Chief Fong deserves a lot of credit and her command staff uh, and Deputy Chief Lynch and the police commission led by Therese Sparks is the area of zone reduction. And what I mean by zone reduction is we took an area of San Francisco and we targeted four different zones, primarily Bayview, Mission, Tenderloin Soma area, Visitation Valley 5, actually in the Western Edition. And that's where we saturated our efforts. This is the area where we saw most of the crime and violence, particularly the violent crime in the previous years. We had strategic deployment, again, saturating with our gang task force, our solo units, our tactical units, our Honda units. Uh, we had more, uh, more aggressive, more targeted policing strategies. Here's the great news. 2008, and I say great, good news, be more candid. And that is we saw a 16% increase in gun seizures in and around these areas, but perhaps most importantly, and I'll get to the gun seizures in a moment, we saw a 37% reduction in non-fatal shootings, a key indicator of street violence. So often, our focus is on homicides, but that's really a grace of God. I mean, someone could come up, shoot you 23 times, and you can survive. I actually met a guy literally who was shot eight times in the hospital, went to visit him eight times and was still alive. That's the grace of God. You have other folks that are shot once uh, by a random bullet uh, 100 yards away and that become uh, victims of a homicide. That doesn't necessarily mean we are more safe or less safe just because homicides have increased or decreased. It's those non-fatal shootings. It's the number of shootings that's most important from my perspective. And so that's biggest indicator of success in this last year is that 37% reduction in these non-fatal shootings. Now that's citywide, but it's predominantly because of the reduction in these areas that were part of the zone strategy that we've seen that improvement. Again, that in spite of the fact that homicides are pretty much flat compared to where they were last year. They haven't gone down. A violent crime's gone down. You'll see that in a minute. But again, this is one of the best indicators of, I think, 
some of the success that we've experienced, some of it, in 2008. It doesn't feel like it for a lot of folks, but I want them to know there is some bright spots. Again, the gun-related reductions you saw, we've got this Operation Gun Stop, which we've initiated. We've got inspectors focusing more and more on the area of guns, gun seizure benchmarks. Again, just an area where we've invested a lot more time and a lot more energy appropriately. So I want to congratulate Mayor Bloomberg and Mayor uh, Menino in Boston and others uh, for the mayor's efforts nationally on dealing with illegal guns, uh, something that I'm participate, uh, participant in uh, through the U.S. Conference of Mayors. San Francisco is a participant in. Uh, we're trying to uh, pick up not just on those best practices, but establish some of our own, uh, including this one, get guns off the streets, $1,000 rewards. And again, if anyone's watching and they've got a gun, you can uh, call 575-4444. That is an anonymous tip line, anonymous. There's no caller ID, none of that stuff. Anonymous tip line, 575-4444. Uh, you can get $1,000 uh, by letting us know uh, about... Uh, uh, information that can lead uh, to the arrest of someone that's got an illegal uh, gun. We also have gun buyback programs and other programs that are really producing some results. Here they are in more specific terms. 975 guns. This goes through September 2007 to 2008. Uh, the new numbers actually, I wanted to get them. They're, they're actually a little bit better. I was hoping to get it because we we're going to get close to 1,000, uh, but I didn't have enough time to put them together. 806 935, 16% increase in getting guns off the streets in 2008. Technology's also been a friend. We have a new program called Shot Spotters. We implemented it in Bayview Hunters Point in the Western Edition. Supervisor Amiano and others have been trying to get us to do it in the Mission District. That's something that we're committed to doing. Uh, we hope we have supported the new supervisor, David Campos. Uh, but it's uh, a technology that I think uh, most people support. Uh, it's real-time technology uh, that covers a geographic area. And when a gun is discharged, in real time, a computer alerts uh, officers exactly where the gun has been discharged, what angle the gun was discharged, and even in some cases, what type of gun was discharged. And so people don't have to report that gun uh, being discharged by picking up the phone. We will oftentimes just get that uh, automated, uh, automatically, and that helps augment our response times. It helps us be more responsive uh, and more prepared when we get there. And you can see police have been ordered uh, gunshots three minutes, 12 seconds faster than an average citizen would report uh, already in these areas. We've identified over 200 gunfire incidents that would have never been reported. Uh, so it's alarming in some respects because you actually get more information and more incidents. Uh, it doesn't mean there were more incidents, it just means there's different reporting because, again, we're using technology to report. Crime cameras continue to be controversial. I get it. Uh, but I say this, you know, everyone that can't stand crime cameras tend to be people that live outside the city, editors of newspapers, for example, or folks that have strong opinions that don't even live in the state that are ideologically opposed to them. But people that actually live in communities impacted by crime and violence, I've yet to get a petition from neighbors where we put a crime camera up on their block saying, please get rid of it in spite of the reports that show that they don't do much on homicide reductions and there's a lot of question of their efficacy generally, one of the things that I continue to uh, try to reconcile is why do we have 71 cameras at all these locations and no one has ever told me to get rid of the camera that we put in those locations. Those are the people we should care about most. As long as we're protecting people's civil liberties, as long as we're trying to improve the program, which deserves and needs to be improved. I'm not particularly satisfied with the quality 
uh, of the tapes, uh, nor am I uh, some of the deployment strategies around them. There's a very critical audit that's coming out that recommends, I think, very good um, uh, improvements or makes recommendations for improvements that I'm very supportive of, including better lighting and uh, foot patrols, incorporating larger crime prevention strategies around these cameras, increasing the quality of footage. We all agree on that. Evaluating uh, the efficacy of these current locations in relationships to other locations where people are requiring or requesting uh, cameras. But I think something that's important that gets lost on these crime cameras is people look at them almost exclusively in the context of homicides or homicide reduction, where they don't seem to have much of an impact yet. But one of the areas where they have had an impact is felony property crimes. Within at least 100 feet of the cameras, we've seen a 24% reduction. Now you say, well, big deal, that's within 100 feet of the camera. What about 101 feet? They're just going around the corner. Maybe the case. But let me say, if you live on that street corner and you've had all these property crimes and your car's been broken into, your house has been broken into, you're scared to walk outside, your own front door, and you got that camera up, displacing the crime is not in and of itself a bad thing. It doesn't solve problems in every case. In some place, sometimes um, yeah, the intention of this was to actually apprehend criminals. It's actually been used to exonerate suspects, uh, and maybe that's a good thing. Uh, the Public Defender's Office, I've met some folks at the Public Defender's Office uh, when I visited over there recently that said, please keep them because they actually had people that were arrested and the crime cameras proved they actually didn't commit the crime. So these have had unintended consequences that actually have gone beyond that which we had initiated or thought would be the focus of the attention when we put this pilot program together. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm supportive of this, not though Big Brother. I don't want to see these monitored live in real time. Good people can disagree on this, but you're going to have to get another mayor to support that. Uh, but I do believe we do a better job at accountability, increasing the quality of the footage, uh, and communicating what this program's all about. Uh, that audit will be out very shortly. And again, I think will give us some good examples of ways we can improve. Other areas where we can do better and do more. Um, we've been talking about this justice program for how many years? Uh, and I say that only to those of you that are shaking your head that may be watching, particularly uh, members of our Department of, um, uh, of on the Status of Women uh, that have been waiting seven, eight, maybe nine years for this. We're finally in 2009 going to be there and get this thing done, dealing with domestic violence, connecting all of these databases, connecting the sheriff with the public defender, with the DA, with adult probation, with the uh, with uh, members of the city family, not least of which the police department, uh, getting everyone, including the courts, on one database. Uh, we are finally uh, right there uh, to get this thing done into the new year. I just wanted to do a status slide, as I do every one of the state of the cities, because this is a very important proposal and pro uh, program. Another area is public awareness campaign. We did this initiating a new public awareness program. Uh, and actually, this was designed by youth. Uh, and it's an alive and free campaign done with Joe Marshall of Omega Boys Club, a Boys and Girls Club. Uh, Joe is a member of our police commission. Uh, he helped initiate this with the launch of our new violence prevention program. Uh, we're very uh, appreciative. Uh, of this uh, uh, public information campaign. Uh, it's hardly perfect, but it's something we also initiated in 2008. Something else we did, rewards. Take a look at this. 
our rewards, you know, most cities do $10,000 rewards, maybe some $25,000 rewards, maybe even a $50,000 reward. How many cities do $100,000 rewards? We've got 24 rewards for $100,000, including now, or rather in addition, we have 16 for a quarter of a million dollars. I want to repeat this. We have 16 rewards outstanding for information leading to the apprehension of arrest of individuals involved in homicides that are open cases in San Francisco where we believe there are witnesses out there. All they need to do is come forward, call 575-4444 and call to get information about the rewards and then submit their confidential information for the apprehension and arrest and receive a quarter of a million dollars or a hundred thousand or even some fifty thousand dollar awards. My point is, if ten thousand dollars isn't going to entice you, if twenty five thousand, if fifty, a hundred, how about a quarter of a million dollars? That's a whole nother level of witness protection program. That means people can move their families and get out of town. That gives them the ability to start over. Uh, we need support. We can't clear these cases without people coming forward and telling them, telling us what they've seen. It's one of the reasons for the crime cameras. I don't want to have a crime camera do the investigative work that an individual can, but I'm not naive, and I understand the stress and struggle of people that don't want to snitch, that are scared to death about their own lives or their family and loved ones' lives, that don't feel that they have the confidence in the system to tell people what they've seen. We have got to change that paradigm and that dynamic. And one of the reasons we're doing these rewards, and these are audacious, is to try to instill some sense of belief and confidence that we're willing to work with you and we're willing to reward you in unprecedented ways for being part of the solution and helping stem this violence so that no one else gets kids, not family members, not friends, not members of our community. This has got to stop. This is something else. Again, we're just trying, and we'll continue to try to do more. Look, here's what it's all meant. Violent crime, part one crimes in the city are down about 2.4%. By the way, they were down last year. So this is down off a down year. Homicides, we continue to struggle. Actually, that stat's about flat. We're just one off last year. It's actually a little lower than 2.2%. Here's the area where we've just had this anomaly rapes. We're working with the Department of, uh, on the Status of Women, and we're really looking at the reporting mechanisms. Uh, we're looking at our other uh, violence prevention, domestic violence programs to really look into what's going on with that stat. That's the most alarming of the stats in the 2008 year. Uh, and we're not yet necessarily completely clear. All the experts I'm talking to, everyone has a different opinion. Some just believe it's just more people reporting things that have happened, not necessarily more rapes. Others say, no, it's more rapes and we need to do more prevention. And we're trying to reconcile all that, but that's the one stat that's the most alarming. Uh, the other stats are continuing to be challenges of robberies, but you'll see in the other areas, burglaries, auto boostings, vehicle thefts, they're down. We're making progress. Overall, again, crime is down. Uh, violent crime is down. Uh, homicides flat. Homicides, we have not done the job we need to do. This remains the most outstanding and vexing and challenging thing uh, that we have dealt with in years. I want to compliment, again, the police department for doing its best. I mean, they're arresting as much or more uh, folks than ever, but we know that's not exclusively the solution. An armed camp is not a place of peace. 
Violence prevention is where we need to go. And education uh, is the ultimate poverty eradication tool, poverty being the source of so much crime and violence. Uh, that being said, uh, this is an area where I recognize that I need to reconcile as mayor and do a better job. I continue to fight hard. It's still a primary focus of this administration. We're looking for partners um, and more partnerships. We continue to build them with members of the board. And I want to thank them for working with us as opposed to against us. And I want to thank members of the police department and our violence prevention uh, partners for continuing to work hard on this issue. Another area where we're going to do some dramatic changes, and that is we went out to a third party to get some consulting work done to look at best practices, a third set of eyes, different set of eyes to take a look at our policing strategies. Uh, we went through this police effectiveness review, an independent analysis of our foot patrol pilot program. I mentioned some of the work we're doing there. We analyzed district uh, station boundaries, very controversial. We didn't know they would recommend reducing the number of district stations so dramatically. That's going to be a big part of the discussion into the 2009 uh, year. And then this dramatic organizational assessment where they came up with a lot of really good recommendations of which nine out of ten I absolutely support our police chief and our command staff support. I believe that the Board of Supervisors in most cases support it. They'll be holding some hearings in the next month. Uh, but this is an area where we can do more to expand community policing and problem solving, community engagement, a greater accountability and transparency across the board, uh, more leadership training, uh, better organizational construct, better job at clearing cases, investigations. Uh, we've got to do a better job there. Again, this is a very good report. I'm glad it was initiated. I want to thank Chief Fong for helping initiate it um, and the Police Commission for helping initiate it. Uh, it's great to do sort of a self-reflective best practice analysis. It's good to be self-critical. We now have the tools to be able to do the dramatic reforms in the new year that I know everyone uh, believe is long overdue. Uh, but progress will be made. Progress uh, has been made and is being made. And one of those areas where progress will be made in the new year is a community justice center, a problem-solving court. Go into the Tenderloin. Tell me that we're doing the job we should be doing in the Tenderloin. Go into the South of Market and parts of Mission and tell me we've been doing our job in terms of quality of life crimes. People that are arrested 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 times, I don't exaggerate, that are still out in this revolving George justice system where we're not servicing their needs, where we need to create a pattern interrupt, where we need to engage them into the social service system, not through the criminal justice door, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. No one is being served by that. That's the whole idea of a problem-solving uh, justice model, where we connect social service agencies, community organizations, and community leaders to problem-solving justice. This is a big success, and other cities have adopted it. We're going to implement it here in San Francisco into the new year. We've got $983,000 of federal grants that have come in. The program will be established at 555 Polk Street, just a stone's throw away from City Hall. Uh, we've been working hard for the last year and a half to organize around this, and it's something that I recognize uh, the voters did not want to codify in terms of guaranteeing funding well into the future, and I recognize and heed that warning, so I recognize that my job is to prove it can work, to prove its efficacy, 
and its success on an annual basis and ask that the elected family each and every year make the judgment to continue to fund it. I heard that message loudly and clearly with the defeat of Proposition J, uh, but I believe we need to move forward with what we've already committed to, memorandums of understanding, legal documents and leases that we've already engaged in and that million dollars we came from the federal government. Let's put this thing together. Let's work with the courts that have been incredible with this, the district attorney Kamala Harris and in the public defender and the sheriff who've also helped support this program. And let's change lives. Let's turn lives around. Let's prove our critics wrong that we can do more and do better. I'm absolutely resolved to advancing this initiative as we are resolved as well to work with the same community partners, the DA, the public defender, and our sheriff on these new reformed reentry strategies, Supervisor Mercurimi and others that have been working so hard at the board to establish a framework to connect the dots between these disparate reentry strategies and put them under uh, one program uh, with this new initiative uh, back on track that the DA has been so successful at advancing. Uh, this is an area where we've got to do more and do better, the whole area of reentry. I think the city family is all on the same page. 2008, we established a framework to be on the same page. 2009, let's establish the benchmarks and the real results that people are waiting for and counting on. And finally, in this area of crime and violence and violence prevention, uh, which of course transcends all of the other slides and all the other uh, uh, components of the 2008 state of the city. Nothing would be worse than to have a new identification strategy that had unintended consequences, that were used or abused for the wrong reasons. As a consequence, I've tried to slow down the process to make sure that the cards are secure and make sure the cards can be used for their intended purposes. I know I've taken a little bit of criticism for slowing it down, but I absolutely do not regret the decision. In fact, so much so that even members of the Board of Supervisors recognized the wisdom of that decision by augmenting the legislation and adopting a different strategy in terms of the implementation of this card. The reality is we're going to move forward with the card, but we're not going to do it until we work out the final details to make sure the card is secure, to make sure the card is used for its intended purposes. The idea behind the card is simple. If you're homeless, what is the chance that you're going to wait in line at the DMV to get a driver's license when you can't even afford a car? The reality is you need some form of identification to get into a shelter, to get health insurance, to get into some of our programs. A local ID card makes some sense. If you want to use the card to go to Harding Golf Club and get a discount uh, for golf, that's another reason to use the ID card, to get a library card, to get Bank on San Francisco or the Working Families Tax Credit to make sure you're eligible. You need to show that you're a resident of San Francisco. This ID card can be used to help and advance your needs as well. And those are the intended uses uh, for this municipal ID card. But we want to make sure that it's secure. We want to make sure that people are not abusing it. We want to make sure that it can't be counterfeited. We want to make sure that it's used for its intended purposes. And for that, we've spent the last number of weeks making sure that the contractor that's putting the cards together is doing it in a way that distinguishes the intent of the program. By the end of the year, we should move forward with the implementation of the card. And if it takes the beginning of New Year, it will take the beginning of the New Year just to make sure, again, that the final details are worked out. If the idea is to make this card a success, 
and that's what I believe, then let's do it right. Let's not throw a card out where we realize that we did not consider this factor or that factor in its implementation. If the idea is to make this a success, let's work together to make it a success. I'm committed to that, uh, and as a consequence, uh, we are working out some of the kinks, and we are working with members of the Board of Supervisors to make sure it's secure and, again, it's used for its intended purposes.